0: Hey there. Welcome to the Exciterate Show. I'm Chris. Got Paul with me. Um, Joe is doing a Christmas carol play for school kids in the morning, and he needs to sleep. What do you think, man? Sleep. I, I want Joe in a play. I mean, we've seen Joe in plays when we were in college.
1: How would that be? Man, that would be... I, I don't envy the doing an early performance for little kids. Um, yeah. It's not going to be the most captive audience. I don't think by yeah. the end, they're going to be like throwing things at each other. and
0: Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting. I, I I would like to see a live stream of that stream of that. I want to see how that turns out. So, all right, well, we've got, Um, it's getting later. So we're, we're going to, we got two segments. We're going to try to get through. Um, Paul, The first segment is about food. You know, we've liked talking about food in the past. And I am still scratching my head over this story. There's a new company coming out that has illegal chips. So get this. There's stuff that you're not allowed to eat for various reasons. Um, Three of their flavors are coming out with is horse meat, poison blowfish, and maggot cheese. And you're know, like, how disgusting is that? You can't sit and eat maggots. But what they found was a way of trying to capture that flavor without it really being maggots or really being horse cheese or really being poison blowfish. I don't know how this is a smart idea. I mean, <laughs> are, are you trying to freak out your guests? Like, I don't know. And we haven't had guests at our house for a long time because of COVID. So are you just trying to you know, maybe freak out your spouse or something? I mean, why why would you eat something like that?
1: Well, I think it's the the experience because obviously you okay. can't eat these things, but you can get a feel for like uh, this is the the cooking branch of the good mythical morning uh, oh, yeah. program on YouTube. So the there's always kind of that comedic side to it, but they have a great chef there who headed this up and on good mythical morning, they sampled uh, the chips and the, like the blowfish one, they have something in there that actually creates in your mouth, the sensation, like you have, you've eaten the poison from that fish. So it gives you like a (laughs) tingle in your mouth when you eat it. Um, So yeah, it's, I I think it's obviously it's kind of a novelty thing. Uh, I think there are limited editions um, uh, but I, you know, for the novelty of it, if I was an adventurous food kind of person, I would probably give them a try, uh, just to say I had the experience, but none of those flavors are anything that's at all remotely enticing to me. So I will not be getting myself a bag of those chips.
0: Yeah. I read that too. And it, may, it makes you laugh that, that it tastes like poison or it tastes like horse meat or it tastes like maggots. I don't know how that would be an appealing taste. I mean, I, I guess the thrill of it for me would be like to freak my wife out to say, hey, I'm eating maggots, you know, and just like oh what, you know. But
1: Well look at how big how those big. Uh, the bean boozled jelly bean sets are. I mean yeah. those are so popular. I mean kids want to they want to eat the, the vomit and the grass and the booger and the I mean there's a market for bizarre flavor experiences
0: oh yeah it, it must be selling i mean they wouldn't do that but um yeah i guess speaking of good mythical morning i guess there's a um youtube channel called mythical kitchen which is a
1: different you know yep. uh provider but you
0: know i guess they're the ones that created it i i don't know it, it's strange. yeah
1: it's josh he's the he was he was the, the chef who would make all the weird stuff. They try on good mythical morning. And then mm. he got so popular. They like under their umbrella, he's got the mythical mythical kitchen channel. Wow. Okay. Um, it's all still, it's all still under good mythical morning. Um, he's still, he's still they're The group that makes all the weird stuff that they try on the show. And, but they've really given them some freedom to kind of do their own thing as well. And, uh, so he, he's a great, great chef. Um, He's willing to try to come up with flavors that nobody else in the right mind. Uh, I mean that's you think about good mythical morning, that's a huge part of why they're so successful and popular is we like to watch these two guys try horrific foods. <laughs> so this is right up their alley.
0: It's funny you mentioned good mythical morning. For the past couple of weeks we're, we're doing a new show on the network where we watch a different YouTube video each week, and we just analyze and everything. So Good Mythical Morning comes up, and you know, I think it's like the Etcetera show, because we go one direction, and then we go zero to 60 into another direction. The show that we watched, they were testing milkshakes, and it seemed to be pretty bland. They were uh, a blind taste test. They're trying to guess what chocolate milkshakes it were. So they had some bizarre joke about... Like it's like they were both nursing from the same person, and think like, <laughs> it was like, What? And then somehow they mistakenly said, like the intern was a woman saying, Well, we wouldn't do this from you, and she's like, What? <laughs> so it went from and I never watched Good Mythical Morning, so I'm thinking, Okay, is this a kid's show? Is this a adult show? Is this a you know, what is this? It went from Something I have my kids watch, like the like really weird, bizarre, strange in like 10 seconds, which I'm like, hey, that's the Accenture show. So maybe we should. I mean,
1: they're very funny, very creative. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy their show a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I love, you know, just that freedom of, of goofiness and talk. It, it's, I don't know if you've watched uh, it, you can get audio or video for it, but The Friendship Onion. Uh, with mm, Dominic, okay. Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd. It's the Mary and Pippin from the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, they do a podcast together, and it, it's just so fun. It's just they're A lot of it's just talking about nothing, and just, yeah. yeah it's it's right up yeah. our alley. Yeah, it's what
0: we try to do here. I've been on a very strange kick lately where I'm watching a lot more YouTube creators, and it's it's been an interesting journey. I, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Maybe I feel like I've watched most regular TV. I'm like, I've got getting the into creators. I've been watching Mr. Beast lately. I don't know if you've seen Mr. Beast, Paul. Mr. Beast. He is, it sounds weird because you look at the name, you're like, is he some, you know, big buff guy? He's a guy like you and I. Um, he's made a ton of money off YouTube. Uh, he does goofy stuff. And then half the time he gives away tons of money. Um, they had Squid Game, you know, the big show on Netflix recently. They actually made their own Squid Game. It cost like $3.5 million, but they made oh, wow. it. And they gave the winner like 465000 And the big difference is they recreated the game. It looked like it did on the TV show. Uh, obviously, people who competed and lost didn't die. I mean, they may were <laughs> if they had lost, they still definitely survived and everything. But my goodness, $3.5 for video. Um, We've done some research. YouTube creators, if you've got a lot of uh, fans and everything, you're making money. Oh, my goodness. I heard an interview with this guy, and they were like, well, why don't you go on TV? I mean, he's got 70 million subscribers on his channel. And the guy's like, oh, I'm making more money than I would if I went to Netflix or NBC or anything. And this um, Netflix show... I mean, when you get really a big creator and you're having lots of subscribers and everything, you make a ton of money if you get a lot of views. The Squid Game thing they put out came out like a week ago. 165 million views already. Can you imagine? I mean, that, that's. <laughs> I mean, that's and, like and that's and it's all numbers for you. Yeah?
1: I, I think one of the beauties of YouTube is, I mean you can get lost in there, but I shows that are genuinely entertaining, but you know that there's no network that would have taken a risk. Re- I mean, good mythical morning. I mean the no network would have rolled the dice on a show like that, but it's, um, it's an, an incredibly creative and entertaining show. And, you know, it gives people an opportunity who, you know, who have an idea, but the a network wouldn't buy it but they can run with it, and I, there's a lot of good there. There's a lot of bad there, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely,
0: when it comes to YouTube. I The only thing that kind of bugs me a little bit, um, for work, uh, there was a guy from the Medina who <clears throat> won a ton of Jeopardy games in a row, so I've been kind of writing stories about when he does something. <clears throat> I stumbled across his podcast, I guess it's really popular, called Game Theory, and he made an appearance on the try to benefit um, St. Jude and I think where it gets annoying, though, is they have all these guests from other YouTube networks, or YouTube channels, and they're like, oh, and it seemed weird, because I guess that's their fraternity. <clears throat> um, they've um, gotten to know each other and everything else, but I I, I didn't recognize a lot of the guys, so I, I didn't know. It didn't mean that much to me, so it was kind of weird. <clears throat> okay, well, let's finish up our food segment. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of weird foods. I mean, yeah, I eat crappy foods. That's probably not the greatest for me. But, you know, Paul, I wasn't at your Thanksgiving, but I can guess you did not have a cranberry and pickle pie. I'm seeing a couple stories about this. Uh, Paul, I sent to you. Uh, Very weird. Um, And I I don't think it's that hard to put together. It looks like someone just made a cranberry pie and they –
1: baked it with a bunch of pickles on it and what the heck why is this i mean i i am very puzzled by the pickle phenomenon i mean i I, i'll enjoy a pickle um you know on the side of a a hoagie or something or put some pickles on a sandwich or a burger but like this craze of drinking pickle Mm. juice and eating all i mean i that that baffles me i i don't love pickles that much apparently because i the pickle craze is not a train I've gotten on board.
0: And apparently, according to this story, you know, pickles and pie, I mean, it's a thing. It's not just, you oh. know, we got weird and, you know, we just did that and nobody else knows or cares. Apparently, they're doing pickle pie and other stuff. And I i don't know, just the taste of pickle and cranberry doesn't seem like it complements each other. I, I, I don't, <laughs> just me.
1: Maybe it's an acquired taste. Well,
0: it looks like it's not... I mean, did they bake it together? I mean, look at this picture, and it Mm. almost looks like maybe someone just put a bunch of pickles on top of the pie.
1: That's entirely possible. Yeah, I mean... For people who might say it's an acquired taste, just a rant about that, if there's a food or a beverage that you have to train yourself to like, is it really good... Uh, Just throwing that out
0: there. Well, and the the tastes are so different. I mean, it just... uh, I mean, you might as well eat these illegal chips that taste like poison blowfish or something. (laughs) I mean, it's just... like It's not a taste you would be looking forward to. Yeah, on a dare or to freak out your family, you you might eat those chips. But you're doing it just to kind of mock people and, you, you know, the element of surprise. You can't just be sitting there like... Oh man, the taste of, of uh, fake poison blowfish is something I'm craving now. You know, no one's got me <laughs> thinking that. Same thing here. I mean, I, I'm thinking, you know, if you want to, if you want to shock your aunts and uncles, Paul, you, yeah, bring in some pickled cranberry pie and you start eating in front of people. And they're like, "Oh, Paul, what are you doing?" And you're you know, like,
1: "I think there is just a subset of people who can't get enough pickle, and they will put it on anything and everything." And okay. I, I don't think they're going for the gross-out factor. I think they just have an unhealthy obsession with pickles.
0: And That's wrong. I mean, we should <laughs> preach against that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see you can start a
1: sermon series against the pickle because that just man, that just seems unhealthy.
0: I, I mean, I, I mean, we could
1: for- ban pickles, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bat an eye if we banned pickles. I, I don't have to have them in my life. Well, you know, we say it's the church all
0: the time. You know sometimes things like that represent a deeper issue in your life, you know? And so I don't think there's anything inherently wrong in the Bible about eating pickle, cranberry pie, but I, I think it's just saying a sign to other people saying, Hey, there's, <laughs> there's something else going on in your life. If you're eating that, you know, so <laughs> repent or, you know, or else I guess. All right. Well, Hey, um, thanks for checking us out. We've, We went a little bit long on the Sewers podcast. It is late when we're recording this. So uh, we're doing two quick segments of the Etcetera show. Um, Check out our sponsors. Um, We had Cash App. Uh, If you want to get more information about that, download the podcast. Uh, You can download Cash App and get some money in your account. Um, Yeah, and that's what we got for now. So uh, we're going to put together another quick segment of the Etcetera show. But, you know, thanks for checking us out. We'll be back shortly. Have a great night, everybody. All right. Welcome back to the Etcetera Show. Chris Pugh, I'm here with Paul Yanchek. Uh, Joe Frazzi was with us earlier, but uh, he's got to get up early for Christmas Carol. So um, Joe bowed out a little bit early. Uh, we hope to have Joe back next week. Um, Paul, some interesting stories. And, again, we're recording this late. I wish my wife could be down because she would probably have a lot to say about this first story we're talking about. But from the mirror, um, an England uh, paper, i um, trying to figure out where this happened at, but I, I love this story. So, you know, this fiance, um, you know, is saying, hey, buddy, you got to help me out with my, the housework. Okay. And this guy really wasn't helping out. So he finally helps out. He ends up breaking his leg. <laughs> How awful is that? Uh,
1: oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh,
0: oh, no, no, you,
1: I, 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 I smell a setup. It's kind of like that, the guy thing where, you know, your wife asks you to do something and you, you do it badly on purpose, so you're not asked to do it again. I, I think this guy rigged it so he would break his leg. I think he made that kind of sacrifice to get out of doing it again.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. This happened in Wales, because I'm always trying to figure out, is this like Florida man or something, but this actually happened in England. Uh, this guy is 26. Um, His partner, that's a new name for me, Bethan Lewis uh, Watling. Okay, so that's Wales for you. Yeah, <laughs> according to the story, I love this language in the story. She decided to whip him into shape and get more involved in George around the house. Um, and you know, he's complaining about injury. Okay, and Bethan's like, "Hey, Nathan, you're trying to get out household work, and you know, he broke two <clears throat> bones of his leg." So, you know, probably the Nathan's uh, fault, you know, Nathan probably broke his bones earlier or something. And, you know, he probably didn't sound believable. So she's like, hey, you know, keep sweeping. He falls on the stairs, you know. <laughs> so something's I- happened in their relationship beforehand. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I... It- It just really seems like he just yeeted himself down the stairs, and he's like, "Uh, I can recover from a broken leg.
0: Well, I'm actually... I don't know if he's faking it, is is my guess. I I think the broader problem is there's other issues going on in their relationship, in my opinion. If, you know, she's not believing him, he's got injured leg, and everything else, and, you know he wanted to prove himself. I mean, he should have just, you know, pulled up his pants and said, Hey, look, this doesn't look right to you. I injured it, (laughs) but he wanted to prove himself. So something else is going on in the relationship there. You know, you know, we talked about that earlier.
1: I I don't think he's faking it. I think he legitimately yeeted himself down the stairs and let his leg get shattered.
0: (laughs) Right. And what I'm saying is the obvious thing is he should have just showed his, his, um, you know, fiance, hey, look, there's an issue here. But apparently, you know, he just felt like he had to prove himself. I mean, just be honest, you know, or do something in the past where, you know, it doesn't sound like you're faking it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I
1: got I, I smell trouble in paradise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm, I, I try to be helpful around the house. I got to say there's some nights where I'm just tired and I'm trying and you know, my wife's tired, too, but I literally can't stay awake, and it's tough, but I, I've never broken my leg over, you know, something. I I end up falling asleep in weird places, that's where my wife gets upset, so. <laughs> yeah, I wish she was down here. She would have a lot to say. I mean, you, you might see my wife and I argue over that, so. <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah, Bathon sounds like a real nice lady. Uh, she's quoted as the first I didn't believe him. I thought he was pulling a fast one. Looking back, it's quite hilarious, really. <laughs> sorry, if you're, I mean, you still broke your leg. I mean, I, I guess it might be a little funny, but man, if I broke my leg and my, my spouse or my fiance is saying, hey, it's, it's quite funny, really. I mean, sorry, that's not funny.
1: Well, it depends how it happened. I mean, uh, if he just up and chucked himself down the stairs, that would be hilarious to watch.
0: Uh, okay, and she and she goes on to say, I even warned him about being careful on the you know vacuum cord in case he trips. So he trips over the vacuum cord. He's completely recovered now, and doing fine. It hasn't gotten him out doing the housework though. Uh, come on, Bethan. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not for couples splitting up. now. You know, they've been living together for the past two years. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, we're not, Paul and I are not pro living together before you're married. You know, that's just, you know, kind of our background. But, you know, some people make the argument to say, hey, we should live together to, you know, try to work stuff out and figure out how things work. Well, they've lived together for two years and they're still having issues. It, it doesn't help, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard no, to I mean
1: relationships are relationships.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so remember the story, Paul. Next time, you know, you counsel a couple and says, "Hey, we're gonna live together." You know, tell the story of Beth and Nathan, and that'll convince them that you know maybe that's not a wise decision. So.
1: Yeah, very I feel nervous. like Darth Sidious in Revenge of the Sith. Like, did you ever hear the tragedy of be- Bethan and <laughs> Yeah, Ethan.
0: Yeah, Bethan and Nathan. That's the other thing too. Yeah. We've we've been famous about talking about names, and you know, when we do the Steelers podcast, we've been talking about, oh, um, you know, should two guys be named the same? And you know, we got all excited the other week when Josh Allen sacked Josh Allen in a football game. Um, I, I'm wondering if that should go to, like, um, I, I. I mean, it's okay if we mention our wife's name. First name is that okay? I suppose. Right. Well, your your wife's name is Julie, so that's a nice combination. Paul and Julie. You know, my wife is Becky. You know, uh, Joe's wife is Shannon. Oh, you know, those are names that flow together. I don't know about Beth and
1: Nathan. You, you know, it just it almost rhymes. Well, once you get up like Wales and Ireland, they've got weird names up there. Weird names.
0: I'm wondering if you shouldn't if your spouse shouldn't have a rhyming name with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> that should be another test of you know, should you get married or not. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out an like, example here in the States over here in America. I'm not sure if you can, I'm not sure what that combination would be like if your name rhymes with your wife. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I'm trying to, figure, I, I'm not even sure what those names would be. It's kind of weird.
1: Like Joey see, and Chloe.
0: Yeah. That's probably your best bet. Uh, I like, uh, I was thinking Steven and Susan, but those those don't rhyme. I mean, Joey and Chloe might be the best bet. I don't know. Yeah. Vic and
1: Vic.
0: I mean, there's got to be a Joey and Chloe married somewhere in America. I would bet. But it'd be interesting. We need to do a study, see how those relationships have lasted compared to others. So, I don't know. Hey, let's talk about another story real quick. Um, I, I read these stories every once in a while, and this is kind of interesting in Idaho, um, someone returned an overdue book to the library that's been checked out in 1911. Uh, the book is called New Chronicles of Rebecca. I, I haven't read that book yet. Uh, by Kate Douglas Wiggins. It was published in 1907. Uh, checked out from the Carnegie Public Library in Boise, Idaho. Um, it was recently returned to the Garden State Library. And the library sent over to the Boise Public Library. Um, you know, and apparently whoever dropped it off just dropped it off in the box, nothing else was said. Um, Amory Martin, who works at the Boys of the Library, says we were all very surprised. You kind of wondered what the story was, how it ended up here, was it in somebody's box? Did somebody pass away? Did they move? What happened? We never know, but you can imagine all types of fun stories about it. I will tell you that. I think the interesting thing about that is how do you know, like, I think back to the Seinfeld, um, you know, Seinfeld, an infamous show um, where, you know, a library book wasn't returned for a while. And um, they sent a library collection agent after that. And the library agent was yelling at Jerry about the library book. So, Man, I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I think it's kind of strange. Um, they're happy. They're kind of like, hey, this is fun. I, I mean, should there be justice? Should they try to charge somebody for a uh, overdue library book? Uh, they said the book was over 40,000 uh, days late. Uh, the book's in good shape. And, you know, um, they're saying the library fine was 803 bucks. That's kind of wild. You think of a book's 110 years overdue would be more than 800 uh, 800 bucks? I don't know. Such strange questions that we have over that. All right. Um, Paul had to take off a little bit early, but thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Um, You know, we do a lot of fun shows. Um, uh, A lot of pop culture and some Ohio news. Check out our shows throughout the week. Thanks for checking us out. Um, We love having you here. It's great to see how many people check out the podcast. Um, just let us know. Share our podcast. Check our sponsors. Let us know any feedback you have. Uh, it, it's a fun ride, and we enjoy um, having it. So thanks for checking in, Ohio, and have a great night, everybody. Hey, everybody.
2: Welcome back to the Ohio and Podcast Network. Craig Shop here with you. It's Thursday. That means we're talking to George Thomas our esteemed film critic from the Akron Beacon Journal, George. Esteemed. Yeah, very. <laughs> Breaking out the vocabulary today. Uh, how are you doing, George? It's Thursday. We're talking movies. The holidays are coming. How are you doing?
3: I'm recovered from Thanksgiving. I, yeah. I took last week off. Um, I'm good.
2: <laughs> I'm how, did not... the, how did the uh, the smoked spatchcock turkey turn out?
3: Uh, you know what? So even though I had technical issues, both, not one, but both of my thermometers were uncalibrated. Oh, wow. And I got lucky. Um, so even with uncalibrated thermometers, still turned out tender, juicy, and very flavorful. flavorful. So right. I'm, I'm thankful for that.
2: Yeah, very much so. That sounds good. That's a That's got to be a nerve wracking experience when you put all that effort into it and then the thermometers aren't where you need them to be so glad they turned out great and hope you had a great thanksgiving hope everybody listening had a great thanksgiving a little bit bit lighter week uh, for movies this first week of december you mentioned it last week not a great week for new releases however uh, there are some streaming options i know uh, the movie that we're going to talk about here tick tick boom did get a theatrical release for a couple of weeks uh, but now currently streaming on netflix You know, it seems like it was just a week ago that we were talking about the brilliance of Lin-Manuel Miranda and his music. This time around, he's behind the chair directing and Andrew Garfield stars. Tell us a
3: little bit about Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, that's basically an autobiographical film about the life of Jonathan Larson, the creator of Rent. But what happens is Lin-Manuel Miranda goes back to the musical he wrote beforehand called Tick, Tick, Boom, okay. and turns it into a survey of his life, his struggles. And Andrew Garfield gives an absolutely wonderful performance as as this uh, playwright, composer, lyricist named John. And it's just a very, very... Good enjoyable time, great performances, great music that right. I wasn't aware of from Jonathan Larson. Just okay. it's it's and and what's really nice about it, what Lin Lin Manuel Miranda did, and I'm not sure, not having looked at the original source material, whether it was in the play Tick Tick Boom that it's based upon. But you see the 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 skeleton of Rent being put together throughout the film. Tons of Easter eggs, immensely interesting, incredibly entertaining, and one of the best Broadway cameos I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And um, something that really hit home for me is Bradley Whitford plays Stephen Sondheim in the film. So coming yeah, right around the same yeah. yeah coming around the same time yeah it, it, it really brought all this all these elements together to something that's worth watching more than once and i don't say that a lot it's, right uh, 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 about many movies and you know as much as i appreciate what netflix has done you and i have had the discussion where netflix throws a lot of stuff against yes. the wall to get something quality well right. they threw enough against the wall to get a great quality film sure that, that probably deserved an extensive extensive theatrical release in, in another time you know what i mean right
2: well and that's sort of been their uh their mo here lately is they are kind of conceding that the theatrical release needs to happen to some degree Um, I know the Irishman was one of those movies where it got a a, a minimal, you know, theatrical cut. Um, I think uh, the power of the dog, the the new Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Jane Campion film uh, did also get that, you know, small window, mostly done for award seasons. Although those those rules have kind of been, you know, lightened a little bit over the last year or so where you don't necessarily have to be a theatrical release necessarily to, to qualify anymore, although it's it's still probably worthwhile to some degree, especially when you're trying to work with, you know, great filmmakers like Martin Scorsese, who, you know, that's what he grew up on and that's what he wants to see. But it's, you know, obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda, we've, we've talked about this multiple times, can do no wrong when he's when he's composing music. How do you think he handles everything here, you know, behind the scenes, behind the
3: camera? You know what? I really think it helps that he's he he, he comes from a, a a theater background. Right. Um, it's clear that he had he's had ideas for this for a while, and he does a fantastic job. Now, whether he could have done so with In the Heights, I don't know. Right. I mean, maybe. In the heights, taught him something that he was able to use here. I don't know, but he acquits himself admirably. Getting the, and getting up. and it's not just Andrew Garfield; it's the entire cast. He gets great work out of right, just tremendous, tremendous work. So you know, director nominations are five per year. I I don't think he's going to get. Nominated for an Oscar, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets nominated for an Oscar, which would be interesting because I don't think there's ever been a director who's also nominated in Best Song category.
2: <laughs> <Right>. oh. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you. Um, you know, we've talked about that last week, and I know we've talked about it throughout the year within the Heights, and of course, Encanto um, is. Does this also feature original composed music by Lin Manuel Miranda, or is it Larson's? As it turns work, out or- it's.
3: It's all Larson, okay, and it's all most of it is just fantastic, right? And, and you wonder how, how how this guy struggled so long to get something produced, and the tragedy if any for those who don't know the story of Jonathan Larson, he finally gets Rent produced, and he dies just before the, the table reading. He never got to see what Rent became.
0: Wow. Yeah.
2: You know, you, you talk about Garfield, obviously uh, previously nominated for Hacksaw Ridge. Do you think that he's probably a shoe in to, to fill in one of those spots for Best Actor, or do you think maybe he might get squeezed out in a what could be a really challenging year with Denzel Washington, Will Smith, other people like that, that are going to come to the table here towards Oscar season?
3: Based on what I've seen so far, I think it's very realistic that he gets a nomination. And he will, he will have earned it.
2: Yeah. Well, the Academy, you know, this is, you know, you talk about Oscar bait. That's always thrown out. This is kind of an Oscar bait kind of film. You've got a, a well-known star. You also have the struggling artist, not necessarily the actor Hollywood style, but, you know, a playwright, composer. It's sort of an Oscar bait kind of a movie, isn't it? I mean, doesn't this fit those bills that the Oscar, you know, the Academy voters are looking for when they want to, you know, give the best, you know, whatever to, or at least a nomination.
3: Honestly, I never even considered it till you asked the question. Okay. I mean, I just looked at it as and, and I probably should have considered it. I just looked at it as a good film taking you into the struggles and mind of of what people today call quote unquote creatives. I hate that word. Okay. I hate that word. I hate that <laughs> word. Into the into the mind of a, a playwright, trying, who's so so devoted to his art, he's living in poverty, he's letting relationships go by the wayside, and all this other stuff. Um, he's, he neglects his health. So, yeah, it's Oscar bait. If I'm being if I'm being fair, yeah, it's Oscar bait. But you know what? I I didn't enjoy it in that way. Like right. I said, I right. enjoyed it enough to go back and look mm-hmm. at it again. Sure. Because there's stuff I'm sure I missed.
2: Right. Well, and you kind of teased this a little earlier, and we're going to get into it even more here in a few minutes, but uh, talk about this, this strategy that Netflix has where they are giving, you know, in order to maybe attract certain filmmakers like Scorsese, not just the money is there, but, they're willing to give you that theatrical release of some sort just to ensure your awards eligible and maybe to to be able to say, hey, you can see it on the big screen. Do you like this like two week window strategy and then and then release on Netflix or do you think they should extend it to a month or you know 30 days 45 days like you see in the other windows
3: with the other windows having shrunk now, there's no excuse for them to not at least go 30 days right. I, that, that's my personal opinion because even though they have a local representation in the Cleveland area as far as a, a, a public relations firm, I rarely ever hear about a Netflix film being out in Northeast Ohio theaters right. until the premiere is upon us. I would have preferred to see this on the screen. Right, I really would have. And to, if we're being honest and, and to a certain degree cynical, it's a way for them to get some of their damn money back. Right. I mean, the, the Netflix subs are, are always going to be there and they're always going to be curious. So I don't, I I don't get the two week window for them. Now, if we were talking pre pandemic to a certain degree, I do. Yeah. Do you think
2: part of that has to do with distribution costs? I mean, they don't want to, likely share distribution costs with another studio that has the money to pony up to distribute the film to a wide audience or do you just feel like they don't really respect the theatrical game? They'd prefer to just go straight to the streaming and not even worry about the theater.
3: Um, you know, we, you and I both know there are costs related to distribution, but, um, Let's see. Their quarterly revenue was seven point five billion dollars this year. If their third not quarter too revenue, I really, I don't see why that would be limiting if you're getting some of that money back. It depends on how much right. you have to put into it. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. So, I you know I don't get it.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's weird because I, I don't even remember if The Irishman got more than a week release in theaters. I think because it was a three-hour movie, and I don't—I don't even recall that ever getting more than a week or a weekend release just to get it in theaters for the awards contention.
3: I got it. It got two. Okay. And then I only remember that because I endured that and survived that film <laughs> in the theaters. Okay. At a at a critic screening. As you can tell, I wasn't, it wasn't a huge fan, but it's okay. Scorsese and Scorsese gets his respect.
2: Right. Well, you know, and it's funny, we, we, we kind of transition here into what we're going to talk about next, which is, you know, Netflix, like you said, has built this, you know, multi-billion dollar industry um, and everybody's trying to play catch up to them and their subscriber base and the amount of money that's spent on original content. I will give props to Netflix. Um, you, You did say it earlier that they do throw a lot at you and a lot of it's kind of schlock. It's not very good. But over the last several years, I think they've really tried to invest heavily into making are making partnerships at least with good filmmakers, David Fincher, Jane Campion this year, Martin Scorsese. So it does seem like they're trying to say, look, we're going to give you a lot of stuff, but there will be some good stuff, much like you get in the studio game where some of the releases are good and then some of them are not so good. Do you kind of feel like Netflix has maybe with, you know, especially like with Roma as well, another, you know, movie that a lot of studios wouldn't touch or maybe, you know, didn't want that to be a certain way. I mean, do you kind of feel like Netflix has at least turned the corner a little bit and said, you know what, we're going to give you 50 new movies a year, but you know, maybe a, a half a dozen are going to be pretty good.
3: I I think they are indeed, indeed they are a traditional studio at this point. Right. Um, Accepting the, the release window, the theatrical release window, right. they're a traditional studio studio because that's the way studios operate. Yeah. That's the way they've always operated. Um, you see the schlock, or you see the bad stuff at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You see the action-oriented stuff and the, the tentpole blockbusters during the summer. There's a, a small window where you get the the stuff they're tossing out just to toss out from yep. let's call it mid-August to late to the end of September and then you get award season from October 1 through the rest of the year.
0: Yeah.
3: Where where eight let's call it 70% of what they they put out is geared towards Oscar season and the holiday movie going season for instance is divided into Two parts where you get a this year, for instance, you get a Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right now, I I'd argue that this week we have where there are no theatrical releases has always been the dividing point for schlock versus the real serious right. awards <laughs> contenders. Because next week you're going to see West Side Story. There's going to be a new Guillermo del Toro or uh, Guill, Guillermo yeah. del Toro film next week. Yeah. So, I, the the game is being upped quality wise, right? So, and that's the way the studios have always played it, right?
2: Yeah, it seems like a big part of this this change. Not necessarily a big change because they still produce their terrible, you know. Hey, there's f- five million things to choose from on Netflix because we have that much money. But it does seem like especially with the power of the dog getting a lot of buzz right now. Roma had a lot of buzz. The Irishman had a lot of buzz. It seems like they're kind of award hunting right now and they want that validity that you kind of get from an Academy Award for a best picture or a best director. It seems like they're hunting for that and they want that validity to be able to say, now you need to subscribe to us because you're going to get the stuff that you do while you're working you're going to get the stuff that you do while you're doing laundry and then oh by the way when you want to really hunker down and watch a serious drama you're going to get that now too and he, oh here are all you know the oscars or golden globes or critics choice awards whatever it may be that you know kind of tail along with that
3: i would argue that netflix will not be happy until they get a best picture nominate yeah. or best picture win not right. even a nomination and then that win will be exponentially blown out of proportion oh <laughs> as if it were never happened before because it's there first yeah do you
2: think the academy voters are kind of I mean I think there's there's been sort of these gruff old white men Academy voters that don't like the uh the modern style of Netflix and and all these things but do you do you feel like that's always going to be looming over them and you almost have to have a surefire. You cannot vote for this. You have to vote for this best picture because I know the power of the dog is getting a lot of buzz, but it's also a very sort of small scale sort of understated film too. So it's not necessarily what you would think of when you think of best pictures, you would certainly think of it as a best picture nominee, but you know, I mean, do you think Oscar, you know, Academy voters are going to probably shy away from Netflix until they really just
3: blow the doors off them? I don't think that's necessarily the case in, in this this day and age. You want to know why? Um, I think, and I can only go by my experience as a member of the Critics Choice Association. I think anymore that a lot of these members are used to. DVDs showing up at their door right or now screening li- links. I've got probably 50 email- emails right now with screening links saying watch our movie, watch our movie and it's like okay, yeah all right'll we'll, we'll see what I can get to before I have to vote on our awards. So right I don't I a lot of them are swayed by peer, peer pressure from what I understand. And based on what I received, if you missed it in, in theaters, the sheer vol- volume of what they send out for you to review for your consent for your consideration is massive. Right. I probably already have 50 DVDs sitting here.
2: Right. Makes sense. I mean, you know, a big flood of, of movies and not just do you have the theatrical stuff, but you have all the streaming things that are out there for consideration. Um, unfortunately those, like you've said, and like we talked about Netflix does have its fair share of bombs. However, it seems like Netflix tends to do better with their bombs. And, you know, you mentioned this uh, earlier, uh, red notice, which just came out less than a month ago, uh, straight to Netflix. I, I don't think they really needed to get an Academy, uh, theatrical cut out there. Uh, but the, the movie starring Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot and, uh, Ryan Reynolds, has done 328 million hours of streams. So it is now their highest watched or most watched film in Netflix history, which beat out Bird Box, the Sandra Bullock film from uh, 2018. Um, Extraction, which is that, that's the Chris Hemsworth film, I think, from 2020 is number three. The Irishman is number four, but you look at the rest of the top 10, The Kissing Booth 2, Six Underground, Spencer Confidential, Enola Holmes, Army of the Dead, and The Old Guard round out the top 10. So really, only one of those films out of that top 10 was really ever close to an Oscar, and that was The Irishman. Um, is it sad for you when you see a list like that? Because you know that Netflix has stepped up their game. You know, you know they have some, some films that are worthwhile. And they've tried to, you know, instill that they're going to make better films. And even though maybe last year with Mank, I think there was a little bit of a letdown for a lot of people. They they thought it was going to be a surefire Oscar winner and just, you know, dominate the Oscars, and it didn't. But are you disappointed to see that Red Notice and all these other films that just aren't quite up to snuff are in the Netflix top 10 and probably de- destroying films like Roma and all those other, you know, indie hits uh, by a lot, I would I would imagine.
3: Am I disappointed? It's what it was. It's what Netflix was founded for. Right. I mean, uh, like the studios, they're in the entertainment business. I mean, yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. I watched Red Notice. Okay. It was god awful <laughs> and thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. It really was. It was. It, 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 we watched it at midnight. Last Friday, I want to say. Okay. And, and it's the kind of movie you watch at midnight on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> right. And right. You, you don't think about it. I watched it. I got over it. You know what I yeah. mean? Right, right, right. And I, Netflix was... Netflix knew what they were doing from from the, the start. Everybody was talks about them mailing out DVDs. Think about the name of that corporation, Netflix. They they telegraphed what they were going to do from yeah. the start. So, am I disappointed? No. It's just it's like I've 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 stated before. It's just a lot, yeah, to try to sift through. To get to something of quality and i'll be honest with you like any average moviegoer if nine times out of ten if if the rock is in a movie and and ryan reynolds especially yeah um because he reminds me of a well he's not young anymore when he first hit the movie screen after an ill-fated television series much like tom hanks he reminded me of tom hanks that, that that attitude and everything his career's stayed on that trajectory right. which is a bit disappointing pointing and Tom Hanks went off to do I don't want to do other things of a different tone. That's the best way to put it. Where <laughs> where that smart alecky attitude wasn't necessarily needed. Right. Um so it I'm gonna watch something like that. I, and, I, I am because every so often you just want to be entertained yeah and that's what it was Friday night
2: yeah does you does make, that you know knowing that and I know you've been critical of, of Netflix you know since we've been talking, but does that kind of sh- make you shy away from visiting Netflix because oh yeah you know, you know they've got tick tick boom and the power of the dog and you know they, they last year they had mank. And all of these movies are, are being positioned as awards contenders. But then you kind of wonder, like, if, if it's been a while since you've watched a really good movie, it might make you shy away from visiting. Does that does that happen to you? I mean, I mean, The Power of the Dog is available. Have you watched The Power of the Dog yet?
3: Uh, no. And I've got the DVD, too. Yeah. Um, I'll probably try to catch up with it this weekend. Right. As weird as it may sound, unless a Netflix flack... Bring something to my attention. Chances are I'm not going to find it on my own. They are not my go-to. Yeah, for anything. They really aren't. They've had a couple series that peaked my interest. One got canceled. Um. I gave up on the the redo of Lost in Space after a season. Right. Um. Beyond that. I can't think of anything else. I mean, Jamie Foxx had a series out earlier this year that I checked out that was absolutely rancid. Wasn't so, it
2: that, that sitcom, like He's a Dad or something? like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, that's that's yeah. sad. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to believe. And, and look, you know, everybody goes through cycles in their career, but. I mean, sometimes you just feel like Jamie Foxx has been so underused and underappreciated in this in this game. I mean, he he literally was a double Oscar nominee for Ray and Collateral, and I think people just kind of sleep on him. But then again, maybe it's part of the the projects he takes on or whatever and and maybe, you know, when you're talking about a certain lead for a film, maybe you go down the hierarchy first, but man, Jamie Foxx just Something happened because everybody, you know, I remember a lot of people were complaining about Django Unchained and, and oh, Jamie Fox was not so you know I would have preferred Will Smith. And it's like, well, what's wrong with Jamie Fox? I mean, what did he not do in that film that made you want Will Smith?
3: Um, Jamie Fox is fine. What it is, it, I, I liken, liken Jamie Fox to a a football player who's won his Super Bowl ring. Yeah. I mean, once he's got his Oscar, right? Right. Now he probably could have and should have been nominated for Django because the tone was perfect. The he did absolutely nothing wrong in that role. I right. enjoyed the hell out of that role.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, but you know, when you've got your Oscar or your Super Bowl ring and you've got skills, <laughs> what are you gonna do for the most part? You're gonna sell to the highest bidder, yeah. And and you know, the TV series I mentioned—that's him using his clout to get something right. made that maybe will will be appreciated. And I'm I'm gonna be honest, by an African American audience, because you know Netflix is very black friendly. Um, so maybe that's what he was doing there, using that clout. Right. I don't know. But he's earned that, and right. I'm, I'm not going to put him down for it. Nobody else should.
2: No. Well, you know, obviously, movies like Red Notice, those, those aren't going. I think, you know, the thing with Netflix, is it possible that they have too much money? Because I know their aspirations this year were <laughs> to essentially release. I mean, they were essentially releasing a new movie every week. I mean, that's even bigger than the studio system, where they're releasing something new every single week. I mean, is it, are they a little too big for their britches doing that? I mean, that's why you're, you know, you're bound to get, you know, there was a a funny um, South Park episode where basically they would call Netflix and pitch a show and Netflix would answer the phone and say, you're greenlit, what's your show? And and it just seems like maybe they're, they're, they greenlight too much and they have too much money. So then they say, well, we need content. And I know we've talked too about the, the lack of a library that they have of, you know, Obviously, right now they have Seinfeld, but really, they don't have a whole lot of those pedigree kind of shows that, you know, you gravitate towards. And I wouldn't even say that Seinfeld's a good match for Netflix, honestly. I don't think the audience really fits with that show's audience. But, you know, I mean, do they have too much money? Or are they Should they scale back and, and invest into better projects, maybe do more action movies and have 30 new movies every year instead of 52?
3: uh you know what i'm i i that's a good question um i'm a less is more kind of guy yeah perhaps movie wise but i don't think you're going to see them do that with movies or television shows and 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 the the big reason is the reason you mentioned the the lack of their own library and that was always going to do them in. And you're seeing, we talked about this before too, where you're going to see each individual streaming service owned by a studio, pulling back their content to, to their home base. I forget who did it recently, Uh, recently. Was it universal? I think so. And I forget what the show was, but they're not going to license it anymore after X number of years. And, and I think you're going to see more and more of that where, you know what, if you want to get this this show, this movie, you're going to have to subscribe to our service. I don't know if that's sustainable or not. That's one of the reasons, at least with respect to movies, I sincerely think that theatrical is not going anywhere. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. but I I think that's where all of this is headed he who has the best content wins
2: right well and i know obviously this month is oscar season don't look up is probably the next real you know highlight that netflix has coming out that's a christmas eve release leonardo dicaprio jennifer lawrence a whole host of other you know great actors and actresses adam mckay who seems to have become a academy darling for one reason or another um really enjoyed the big short, not so much on Vice, but uh, he seems to have found a a lot of fans in the Academy. This is probably positioned as another, you know, movie that the Academy is going to love. Are you excited about Don't Look Up coming out on Netflix later this month?
3: Given the cast? Yes. Um, But we'll see. (laughs) I'm to the point where there isn't a lot that I... I'm out and out psyched for. You know right. what I mean? Right. I, there's there's only one one film I can honestly say that I'm looking forward to. What's that? Spider Man, and that's the kid in me. Right. <laughs> um.
2: Well thankfully for you you won't have to uh, worry about buying a ticket for like $5,000 like you might have to like the rest of the world apparently is going to need to do because everybody's buying yeah. up t- you didn't see this like i mean everybody is just flooding the market with AMC they're they're buying up all these tickets i'm not saying 5000 is a going rate but people are like hoarding these tickets trying to make sure that they have their tickets and you kind of wonder if you're going to start seeing scalping which look I don't have anything against this new Spider-Man trilogy but I just don't see the big fuss about I mean I'm guessing it's because they think every Spider-Man the previous Spider-Man you know actors are coming back for it but I mean I just don't see why everybody's making such a big fuss I mean it's broken ticket sale records or at least the most tickets sold since I think Infinity War or Endgame I mean I just I don't see it I mean I'm excited for it and I'll watch it but I don't I don't see the hoopla even in a, as a Christmas time release, I just don't see the the big fuss about we've got to buy tickets and this is where they're on sale and you know the pre-orders are going crazy and people are like you know making TikToks about it. Do you? I mean, I know you're excited for it, but do you understand like the hoopla movies?
3: I think there's pent up demand for for let's call it a familiar blockbuster. Okay, and. I think uh, it's pretty mo- well acknowledged that Tom Holland has been the best Spider-Man as much as I like the other two. yeah, Tobey Maguire, I think... Well, f- let's face it. Tobey Maguire and, and Garfield were both too old for the part. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And and it's like Tom Holland, even though he was, I want to say, 20s, early 20s when he got the role... Has kind of just aged into it. And he always looked like he was a teenager.
2: He looks like he belongs in that that universe. Yeah, you're right.
3: So I I really think there is a tremendous pent-up demand for a familiar, really familiar blockbuster. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens with the Matrix movie. You think? I, I don't expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised by it. Okay, but I, I, I'm I'm not surprised by this. I guess the the right. I, I checked the headlines while we were talking. I guess some people are selling tickets for twenty five grand, and it's like <laughs> okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I got bad news for you people. I'm seeing this for free in a theater yeah. with five other people. So. <laughs> <laughs> If, if only we
2: could be you for a day george i'm sure there's a lot of spider-man fans that would love to to do that but um well you know i i think the matrix though is going to have some difficulty being a rated r film but you know obviously i think now that keanu reeves has the john wick franchise you might see a bump a bump with that although you wonder too with with the same day release on uh hbo max if the box office might take a a small hit or a big hit on something like that. But yeah, I did not quite understand the scalping and, and, you know, people getting excited about Spider-Man no way home, even though I, I like, I, I mean, Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. The movies have been fine. Um, Spider-Man two is still the best Spider-Man movie out there, I think, but
3: you know what, maybe and this is just an, an off the wall kind of analysis of the situation. Um, what if uh that um venom clip has, right. has primed the pump a little bit that's the best way to put it
2: yeah but i mean did venom really inspire much at the box office though i mean i know what you're you're saying is once the rumors get out that everybody's wondering if the center the sinister six are going to come in you've got you know doc ox coming in the green goblin you've got the sandman which not the greatest villain, you got the lizard, so you know. I mean, it looks like maybe you're right, maybe that helped dredge up some even more are interest.
3: You, you asked about box office. Are you sitting down? You are sitting down.
2: I'm sitting down.
3: $650 million. Okay, the film is done. Okay, globally, well, so yeah, good for them. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's about uh let's see. That's about 20% off of, of the first film's box office, international box office. Right. Okay. So, and, and it's still in theaters. It'll probably yeah. top out at 700 million,
0: yeah. in which
3: case that means they lose 10 to 12% of the original audience. Yeah, this, is, this has already been greenlit for Venom 3 in a back room somewhere on the Sony lot.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, and especially now if they're doing this crossover with Spider-Man, it seems it seems like they have no choice. And I guess, I don't know if it's like been confirmed by Marvel or Sony and Marvel working in tandem here on the Spider-Man franchise, but it appears that there's going to be another C, uh, uh, trilogy coming out after this end of the trilogy with No Way Home, from what I've heard. I don't know if it's official yet, but it seems like it's pretty much already been signed
3: when the studio head says it's happening even though there's nothing signed right right chances are is it amy pascal i think is she said it's happening yeah i maybe that was to put exert a little pressure on disney i don't know disney slash marvel i don't know but i doubt it because The partnership is too lucrative at this point, and that character is too important still to the MCU.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. So. And on the other hand, Sony also probably loves this partnership because, you know, they're making—they're probably making money hand over fist right now, and especially with all the pre-sales and the tickets, and you know, I'm sure it's going to be making another billion dollars plus at the box office here globally. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure Sony's not going to you know, ruffle the feathers too much of Disney at this point and continue this partnership for as long as they can.
3: Yeah, they're, they're, they're so there are some people predicting that it's gonna be the first film of the year to to hit a hundred million in in a weekend in, in yeah. 2021, which is conceivable. Oh yeah. Here's a question for you. What was the first film to hit a hundred million dollars in one weekend?
2: That was Spider Man. The original Spider Man. Yes,
3: Symmetry Here Yeah. We have symmetry. And if that happens, I even with with variants flouting about here and there, I I think it's safe to say that there's gonna be a rebound theatrically because that not just Warner Brothers thing is going away so
2: yeah it does seem like this is going to be a nice uh, jolt this and maybe even the matrix uh, resurrections could be a nice jolt for more of the r-rated audience coming in it'll be interesting to see how these movies do i mean if if no way home kind of pitter patters out you kind of wonder if the box office is ever going to recover because everybody's showing their excitement for it but then if it maybe has like a humongous drop second weekend or Maybe it, does, maybe it doesn't get to a billion dollars globally, I think. This is the kind of movie, not, not that they won't get their return on investment, but they've got to be looking at, you know, we need to make $1.2, $1.4 billion at least, probably, even in a global pandemic box office, to really feel like they've gotten back to where they should be in the box office, I would think.
3: I think they're content to take steps, and I think I, I, I'd go lower with a billion dollars yeah i would even say nine hundred million to a billion dollars globally would 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 okay, yeah reason for optimism from their point of view
2: yeah know i I agree with that. I mean, I think it's it's probably you know you want to see the box office succeed, so I'd love to see the movie do a lot of money because then people will finally breathe that sigh of relief but yeah you're probably right 800 900 million dollars would be a very healthy take i think at this point um, and then obviously you'll have plenty of people streaming streaming it when it gets to streaming but speaking of streaming you you, were, you wanted to mention hawkeye what did you uh, did you check out the first few episodes of hawkeye
3: i checked out the first two episodes i'm digging what i'm seeing so far and you know what it's 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 interesting because hawkeye Plays like um, Iron Man three. Oh, the Christmas setting, right? Well, not not just the, or the, the tone, the 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 tone and the subject matter. If you remember, I and I'm sure you remember, but <laughs> Iron Man three de- dealt with a PTSD. Yes, Tony yes. Stark. Well, we're yes. no one's mentioned it that I've seen, but we're basically dealing with PTSD, Clint Barton. Okay. And although the 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 tone is a bit more lighthearted, there's Disney is submitting it for for award consideration as best comedy series. Okay. So the tone has got to get significantly lighter than what I've seen.
2: Right.
3: But but the, that light tone is there, and it, I'm 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 enjoying it so far because I like Jeremy Renner as an actor. He's never been a traditional leading man. He no. doesn't have those traditional good looks, but there's just something about the guy.
2: Yeah.
3: And pairing him with Haley Stanfield, who I've watched since since she True was True Grit. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, still one of the best performances by a quote unquote youth actor or actress. Yep. And and that I can remember. Oh yeah. And um Pairing them and they have a definite chemistry. It's an interesting story and it's got all the MCU ties back to Thanos and ronin and all this and right. It's like I said, I'm digging it.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know. You've only seen the first two, right? Well, a lot of right. people are, are are talking about maybe the Kingpin is going to be um, inserted into this series. I, I think we've already been told this is non-spoiler, but. I think uh, Yelena from Black Widow is also going to be okay. Um, have you? I mean, have you seen any inklings that uh, the Kingpin is going to make his MCU debut here? And then, of course, that would mean Daredevil probably not far
3: behind. I haven't seen any inkling of the the Kingpin. I only have one thing to say when it comes to that: it better be Vincent D'Onofrio. Well, someone said
2: that it will be D'Onofrio, but instead of what he looked like in the Daredevil Netflix series, he will have um, maybe like a fat suit and make him even more like the Kingpin looks like in the comics. Um, I don't know about that, but that's what I've heard too, is that they're going to be really over the top, big
3: Kingpin. That would be disappointing. You know, and you want to know why? Because his portrayal of Kingpin and Daredevil is just so imposing without that size. Yeah. Even in in, in the animated Spider Man film, Spider Man and the the multiverse, you know, you did you watch that? Yeah. They had that big oversized kingpin. Yeah. And I was longing for D'Nafrio's yeah. Kingpin. Because he was imposing without being physically imposing. Now right, that right. physicality was still there, obviously. Yeah. But so it was the performance that chilled you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, obviously in the theatrical version, uh, Michael Clark Duncan played Kingpin, which, hot take, I actually really liked Daredevil, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. I actually liked it. I really or did. you are
3: you a minority?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I think... If you would have given Daredevil, I mean, some of the biggest issues, okay, it's a little sappy rom com style, but if you would have given Daredevil maybe Spider Man, the Sam Raimi Spider Man budget, I think they would have made a crisp, crisp, clean looking, you know, visually stunning CGI film when they needed the CGI when Daredevil was doing some of his, you know, jumps and stuff. But Daredevil was, I think, kind of underrated i'm 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 liking daredevil i'm not saying it's great i'm just saying that i think it's a lot better people dump on that movie so much and just think it's such an afterthought you know in the pre-mcu and but it's it's pretty decent it's a pretty solid film
3: but see that's why they dump on it it's it's not part of that that right mcu thing and yeah. that's a big reason yeah. I mean, I didn't hate the movie. If I recall, I, I gave it a mixed positive review. Yeah, it it, it didn't bother me. It's like it, people like like dumping on Ben Affleck for some reason, and yeah. I don't get that one. Yeah. Um. I, I like I said, didn't bother me. It, yeah. it, it it was a piece of entertainment. Yeah. I think you you had MCU. Uh, traditionalists yeah. who uh, just weren't feeling it. Therefore, guess what? I mean, let's face it. You're dealing with, with this this source material, and you have a built-in audience. You generally have to attempt to please. Yeah. Now, I don't know in what way, other than possibly a, a black Wilson Fisk they didn't try to appease
2: that audience but yeah I mean I don't even think people were dumping on Michael Clark Duncan being cast as Kingpin I, I think a lot of it too you might have had people it it wasn't well received at the time when it came out but I think a lot of people caught Daredevil on Netflix and realized like how gritty and dark Daredevil can be and then go back and say oh I want to watch more Daredevil stuff I like this character and they they figure oh hey ben affleck's got a movie i never knew that well here let's watch it and it's like a completely different you know kind of tone and and over the top i mean colin farrell as bullseye was i mean he was having a blast you could tell um either that or he just had a lot of money and just wanted to just have have as much fun as possible um but you know there's good chemistry between affleck and garner and the, I love the, the use of the sonar CGI it was very fun and creative and nice and nice to look at. It just, it was, it's crim- not criminally underrated because I'm not saying it's a great film. It's just, it's just a good film that I think people need to like understand what it was when it came out. It wasn't trying to be dark and gritty Daredevil. No, it wasn't. It was just having fun. It was a romantic comedy set set against the backdrop of a superhero film essentially i mean you know it's not like it's going for the nolan batman trilogy you know tone it's just having fun it was uh you know tonally it was similar to spider-man the sam raimi stuff i mean it was rom-com you know kind of stuff
3: it'll be interesting what they do with the character going forward i i know he's in uh the new spider-man film so
2: you know that for a fact
3: uh the actor who played um, Jared Cassio yeah. is in Spider Man. Now, whether he's in the costume remains to be seen. He's definitely in a scene as Peter Parker's lawyer.
2: Okay, I have seen that photo bandied about on Twitter, so I just wanted to see. Okay, that that's fine. And we, and, you know, and we. I, I mean, are are you saying that you've seen the film yet, or you just know that he's in the cast list? Or... I
3: see. I see the movie in 12 days okay and by the way you mentioned colin farrell yeah and and his portrayal of bullseye yeah I, i can't wait to see him as a penguin yeah like i think colin
2: farrell kind of i mean there's a there's a lot of traditionalists that say like you know it's a comic book movie but it can still be serious and fun like sort of the dark knight trilogy and i get that but You know, I think Colin Farrell looked at it like, this is a comic book. Let's have some fun with it. Let's, you know, not that he was necessarily dressed to a toe, what Bullseye looked like in the comics, but I think he, he understood sort of the absurdity of what they were doing and he just had fun with it. So Colin Farrell, yeah, I can't wait to see what he does as the Penguin. Uh, Although the Batman looks like uh, in terms of tone, it's probably closer to Nolan than it is you know, that film with, with Daredevil, but I'm excited to see what, you know, Colin Farrell is a good actor. People I think kind of unfairly dump on him as an actor too, but he can act when you, when you bring him something worthwhile, he can, he can bring he's it. Gonna,
3: he's going to show up. There's yeah. no doubt about it.
2: Yeah. Well, George, um, no major releases, but we did get to talk about tick tick to boom. What's coming up next week. I know we have a big one next week.
3: It's West side story. Yeah and depending on whether i get a link it's the nightmare alley so we'll cross our fingers for a link that i can watch this weekend and go from there
2: well i would you know given our conversation last week when we talked about no one knowing who anybody is i would say the the new spielberg film and the new del toro film but no one probably knows who those guys are but uh nightmare well, you said that last week, where you know I talked about the new Spielberg film or the new Spielberg yeah, film, and people people thinking, "Well, who's that?" You know, I don't know who Steven Spielberg is, but um, and they probably don't even know what uh, West Side Story is. I, I I will say that I wanted to bring up too that I, I love your uh, your comment on social media about uh, the the four K groups uh, talking about. Um,
3: oh my god!
2: <laughs> well, it was um, it was um, the Underworld series as sort of a. <laughs>
3: I have never, ever, been in a group with so many.
2: Or have you seen the new Who's Clockwork that? Orange film? I heard that's a good new release, huh?
3: <laughs> Some
2: of these people don't realize that film films existed before the two thousands. You know,
3: I I have never never been in a group with so many. People who are who grew up on Schlock and are ignorant of 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 and I don't want to sound like a a jack jackass a purist jackass, but the underworld films were entertainment. I I, I enjoyed the first one. The first it one was, was Schlock.
2: It was bad though. Yeah, it was over the it top. It
3: Yeah, and they're treating these films like they're the holy grail, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And you're in the same – a post before it is, is this any good? And it's a picture of the clockwork orange, and I'm like (laughs) – And it's in those moments when I realize why I don't spend a lot of time on social media. Yeah. Because –
2: I kind of feel like you're going to get one of those posts now, and I'm in some of those groups too. Um, I kind of feel like you're going to get some of those posts that say – Wow, this uh, this Stanley Kubrick's an up and coming director, you know, or something. You know, I feel like you're going to get something like that at some point. Or have you have any of you guys heard of the Steven Spielberg guy?
3: Oh my god, just just <laughs> I, 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 I'm we're going to end up regretting someday a generation that grew up on Marvel Comics movies. Yeah. It's going to be a huge regret.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah it's going to be few and far between when it comes to sort of the purest film lovers. And, and maybe that's why Scorsese and, uh, you know, Spielberg and Ridley Scott are kind of, uh, trashing it now because they know that that's probably the future that that's what the future holds that, uh, you know, maybe in like 75 years on uh, the AFI top 100, we're going to get the underworld franchise or something. Oh, sweet
3: Jesus. <laughs> I hope what, not, George. Hope what not. are you <laughs> trying to do to me? Yeah. I mean, look, everybody's got a guilty pleasure. Mine? Yeah, I'm Jerry, not. Jerry Lewis movies. Yeah. I'm the not. On.
2: I like, I actually, you know, it's kind of like that B movie over the top, like everybody's in the tightest leather suit they can get, you know, look, Kate Beckinsale was fine. Scott Speedman was okay in the film. It was not anything. It wasn't meant to be anything great, but it was fun. But then after that, it was probably like, they didn't need to make any sequels, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't get the idea of uh, like putting it on the pedestal of, uh, you know, great cinema works, but um, you know, I guess depending on when you're born, I mean, you can always watch film. I mean, you know, like, I sort of had to explain to my wife that, you know, there was a Beauty and the Beast in the 1940s, you know, and, and, you know, a French film, you know, with subtitles. So, you know, it's it's kind of strange. But, you know, that's one of the benefits of HBO Max is you can actually go onto the Turner Classic movie section and watch, uh, you know, catch up on some of those movies that you may not have seen.
3: Yep. And some people really need to do that. Yeah.
2: I had the, I, I was happy because... I got to watch a trip to the moon for the first time since college the, silent, the
3: silent film
2: yeah when i was at uh, the uh, george melier movie when i was in uh, my intro to film class we watched a trip to the moon 17 minutes short um but you know we're talking about we're, we're talking about some of the first films ever put on film here <laughs> and uh, i got a chance to watch it because hbo max has it so it's kind of unique to, to be able to you know. Go back and watch something like that, or maybe a Citizen Kane. Obviously, you know they had the 4K Criterion Collection movie coming out, or is out right now. That'll Ooh. probably that'll probably probably be a purchase for me at some point very soon. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully people. And that's why I think that, you know that's like the difference between like Netflix and HBO Max. Like, yeah, HBO Max has terrible stuff on it too, but they also have some of those classics that really you know, kind of ground it and make it like, Hey, if you, if you want to watch the best of the best, here you go.
3: Um, you mentioned uh trip to the moon. Yeah. You want to talk about an underrated film? You go.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Sort of an inspired George melier film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And it, Scorsese
2: it, it, at, at his best, really, in my opinion, he was, I mean, that's a criminally underrated Scorsese film really is.
3: I agree wholeheartedly. Ooh, that's a 50. Citizen Kane is 50 bucks.
2: Ooh, yeah. And plus the, um, I guess there was a big controversy with the Blu-ray disc in there that it doesn't work or it wasn't coded right. And they're basically saying that you need to take it out, break it in half, and they'll send you a new one. But I kind of thought to myself, well, I already have the, I think it's the 75th anniversary version of the Blu-ray that came out in what, like 2011, I think.
3: Yeah, I got so that too.
2: I would probably just substitute that and not even worry about it because it's the same Blu-ray uh, codes. So it's the it's the same transferred on this on the Blu-ray. So, but
3: yeah, I've got that box set that they. That's back in the day when I used to get stuff for free. Okay, where I had a, a a a DVD column, home video column, and I just used to get an insane amount of stuff. Yeah. including box sets it was awesome
2: <laughs> yeah well i mean i'm i have i have heard though that the 4k transfer wasn't the greatest transfer because they, they had to splice together i think they only had so many prints of the negative and they had like some 35 millimeter uh, restoration prints and they had to kind of like splice things together so some people have said the 4k isn't like that much of an upgrade over the Blu-ray, but it's 4K Citizen Kane, so why not?
3: Yeah, when they when the Criterion Collection gets uh Casablanca. Oh the, yeah. The treasure of the Sierra Madre, I'm in.
2: I wonder why they haven't had a Casablanca criterion.
3: I don't know. I it, maybe they're you, still
2: debating on whether it's criterion worthy. I don't know. It's, it's a, Yeah,
3: okay. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I mean, come on, George. How long <laughs> is, How long has criterion
3: been around and there's no Casablanca criterion? A criterion has been around since the start of home video. Yeah. So and what's, I, the, what's actually, the hold up? It, they started I want to say with Laserdisc. Okay, did they? Okay. Yeah, because I read a buddy of mine, real Real into to laserdisc back in the day, and I had a laserdisc player too, but I wasn't into it to the extent he was. Used to swear by Criterion Collection laserdiscs, okay. and they were they were beautiful. They really were. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, maybe there's a reason. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, what's what's the holdup? Casablanca has been a classic for now what eighty years or so. I mean. What's the holdup on this? Come on, Criterion. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I will say that I'm, I'm also interested in getting Mulholland Drive on Criterion too. That would be another purchase that I would make on Criterion.
3: I thought that was out, and there was a controversy surrounding it. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, there. I think it's out. Hold on.
2: Yeah, it's out. It came out the same. Well, it came out the same day as Citizen Kane, and then also Uncut Gems also got a Criterion release, too. So I guess Uncut Gems did more in the three years that it's been out than Casablanca has in the uh, 80 years. Although, is is that possible that Criterion doesn't have the rights to it yet or something like that? Like, maybe they can't do a Criterion on it, or how does that work with them?
3: Are th- those are both RKO films, do- aren't they? If they're both RKO films, that means they're Warner Brothers films now.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. Maybe Warner Brothers isn't isn't willing to let it go just yet. I mean.
2: Yeah.
3: Like music- I don't know if
2: Criterion has to like pay. I'm assuming since all of their stuff is pretty expensive that you probably they probably have to pay some sort of a rights fee to to be able to transfer to 4k or Blu-ray or whatever they're transferring to. I'm not sure. I've never really understood how Criterion works. Other than that, it's sort of the, the beacon of, you know, of what you want to be on Blu-ray or or 4k. Um, So I don't know if like Warner brothers is just saying, no, we don't want to release that. We're going to have our own 4k or if like they're not ponying up enough money to Warner brothers to let it go or something. I have no clue.
3: Well, um, Yeah, it's been out in 4K. Casablanca has it, looks like. Oh. But it, the 80th anniversary of the film is next year. Next
2: year, yeah. So, 1942. So, okay. Maybe they'll have a, an 80th anniversary.
3: Whole, totally possible because, you know, studios aren't in the anniversaries or anything. Well,
2: this would be the the anniversary of Citizen Kane. This would be the 80th anniversary of Citizen Kane, so I wonder if that's why the Criteria or Criterion collection came out this year, maybe, or why the four K release of it came out, because it would be the 80th anniversary of Citizen Kane.
3: Yeah, there is okay, there is no four K of Casablanca. Okay. So my my seventieth anniversary box set is still very relevant.
2: Yeah. You wow. know, it's funny, I, I went on this website to, to see like the best, you know, the 164 movies that should be in the Criterion collection that are not, I don't even see Casablanca on here. It's not even listed among the 164 films that they would prefer to see on, on 4K on Criterion, which... That's criminal. That seems pretty like criminal. I I don't know if I should trust that list anymore because that's a terrible list if you don't have that movie on there. That's that's crazy, though. I mean, of, I, I didn't really realize. I mean, I've never been a Criterion collector because they're so expensive. Um, so I, I never really realized that they didn't have something that you would expect to be on Criterion.
3: Yeah. Thanks for directing me to this list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's one that should definitely make it yeah i don't know why it wouldn't well
2: maybe underworld criterion will come out next year i know i think it came out no Two, if i'm not mistaken so maybe the uh the 20th anniversary of underworld criterion will come out the same time as 80th anniversary of uh casablanca
3: oh let it go just (laughs) let it go (laughs)
2: And then everybody will be on the 4K sites talking about how amazing Criterion is for releasing the the, the masterwork of the Underworld. <laughs> you you
3: like torturing me, don't you?
2: I remember too much about that film because I, I do remember why I did go to theaters to watch that. And I do remember Kate Beckinsale and Scott Speedman, and I I'm pretty certain that it was directed by Francis Lawrence. So I kind of remember too much about that film, honestly.
3: Yeah, if it's not in my library, guess what? That means I've forgotten it. So yeah. Then again, you know, one man's one man's trash. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, Lawrence Lawrence did go on to direct some solid films. He did direct I Am Legend and uh I think it was the last Hunger Games. I can't remember if it was the last one or the second to last one. Oh actually he directed the last two, so
3: I'm not going to disparage the director. And by the way, the last two Hunger Games movies were trash. (laughs) (laughs) They were
2: a letdown. I will say that. They didn't really feel like, I don't know. They didn't really feel like, I. I, they they didn't come out the way I expected them to. Not, Not just from the books or anything, but just, I don't know. Just nothing seemed really that big of a deal there in those last two. And it should have been like high stakes, tension building, you know, thrill ride. But it wasn't.
3: Nope, it was not. And then you know what? You know what's weird? I'm heavy into collecting movies. I had the first two being the completest I was. Yeah. Um I um bought the last two and I eventually gave them away.
2: Now. Does that mean that you kept the other the first two or did you get rid of those two? I gave them heard?
3: all away. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, that's probably, I mean, if you're a completist as a collector, you probably would. I'm just going through some of these lists of, like, tasteofcinema.com. And I don't know how great these places are, but you would think if you use tasteofcinema.com as your, you know, your your URL that you would have certain movies in there. And and Casablanca is is still not in there. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I mean, they have some good ones, like, you know. They have the thin man. I, I don't know. I just why is why is everybody sleeping on one of the great films ever made? Is what I'm asking here. I just don't get it. I love Casablanca. Uh,
3: some movies are never appreciated in their time, and even when history is kind to them, some people just don't get it. Yeah. So you well, know,
2: if, if only Bogey was in like. You know, black leather uh, spandex, and uh, you know, jumping and fighting werewolves or something. Maybe he, uh, maybe we would have gotten a a Casablanca remake or
3: something. With uh, they tried that already. Oh, they did a television series with David Soul. Really? Oh, yeah. What
2: What's what TV channel was that on, or what network had that? NBC. Really?
3: Wow. NBC. Okay. Well, I'm it, assuming it was terrible, or it, it crashed and burned as it should have. Yeah.
2: Oh. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've we've done enough tonight making fun of Underworld. Hopefully, uh, I won't post this in the 4K groups that you and I are both in. That way, we don't get blackballed from the 4K collectors list. But um, we will talk next week. Some big Oscar contenders with West Side Story, maybe Nightmare Alley as well. We'll see. Um, Until then, George, we will talk to you later. You can read all of George's stuff at BeaconJournal.com or follow him on Twitter, at thomas. You can obviously subscribe to the paper if you're in the Akron area, or you can obviously subscribe online, get a digital access to read all of George's reviews and his Akron Zips coverage and all the work he does with the Cleveland Browns. So once again, George, we will see you next week, and hopefully we will be able to talk about uh, better movies than Underworld.
3: We will be able to talk about better movies in Underworld. All right.
0: We'll take care. We'll see you
3: next week.
0: Later. Hey there. Welcome to the We Miss Marty podcast. I'm Chris Pugh. As always, I'm here with Laura Kessel. Hey, Laura. How's it going? Good.
4: How are
0: you? I'm good. Good. Um, We're always recording at different times. It's always fun to do this at different times (laughs) of the day. So, Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Hey, we're almost the end of the first season. Uh, we're on episode twenty-two. Uh, Fraser uh, Fraser Crane's day off, and I, I don't know. Was this a nod to Ferris Bueller? You think? Probably. Okay. It, 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 Ferris
4: Bueller was in the eighties, right? So it wasn't too much before this episode, right? Yeah. I always forget like that. These things are so much so long ago, you know.
0: Yeah. But it's not, like, and again, I don't know if everyone's really intently looking at the, the show titles and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's out there and people are like, hmm, I wonder what it's going to be about. But it definitely wasn't like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, it was yeah, kind of a different thing. But it was pretty good. Um, You know, it's funny. Again, this show is almost 30 years old right now. Uh, but it's funny to see how... Life has changed, especially after COVID that, you know, we're going through <laughs> right now. Because it used to be a badge of honor. Man, you know, there were times where, you know, I had my, you know, tissues with me and I come to work if I sneeze a little bit. But yeah. no, that's good because, you know, if you don't go to work, then nobody else can work and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone gets behind. So it's almost like, wow, Chris is brave. He's going. But now with COVID, man, don't go to work <laughs> if you're Coughing their season, stay the heck home. You know?
4: Yeah, it's I, I wrote like a bunch of questions down for this episode and they all center on health, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um it is kind of uncomfortable to watch this at this point. Oh and, yeah. Because you know, and the other thing is, um the other thing I wrote down is, you know, if you know, I wrote why won't people take time off and are men worse patients than women? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, true and true.
4: I, um, I mean, I, I mean, the longer I've gotten, the longer I've been in, you know, the business world and work world, the more time I have, you know, to use free time, I mean, off time, you know, so I'm much more, much more likely to take time off now than I ever did before you know, because it just, um, I mean, you didn't want to waste the time, you know, right. Um, And not to mention the fact that now we're sitting at home rather than around our coworkers, you know, but uh, I mean, it took, I don't even, you, you have to wonder what changed in Fraser, from the time he said, oh, I'm going to work to the time he knocked on the door and said, I can't do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But There's always a, I don't know, there's always a connotation. I mean, you and I have worked together around that time for a while. I, I never felt like, oh my goodness, if I don't go into work, I'm in really big trouble. But I know I always tend to be the type that, hey, unless I'm really bad, I, I don't take off. Uh, I remember the infamous story with us where I had kidney stones and bizarrely it fell on the same night of my birthday and it was a Saturday night and everything. And I, I don't think you ever like questioned it super seriously, but still it was kind of weird. And I, I, I legitimately did feel bad that night, but you know, the, I couldn't stay, sit that night. I mean, it was, it was pretty much nothing I could have done, but you know, I, even back then I never felt like even if I was if, if even if I got sick for a pro long period like a week or two I, I never felt like it would really cost me at work I guess though Fraser's in a different boat because yeah he's a valued employee but he has a certain time slot mm-hmm. and you know you gotta fill that time slot if somebody else does it so I guess maybe it's the same principle that we had at work I mean we both had certain roles on the desk we worked at and I guess if you were off for a couple of weeks and somebody else did a great job, maybe that doesn't mean you get fired, but maybe somebody else says, Hey, you know, this other person could do what you're doing. You go do something else, you know? Yeah.
4: Um, you know, it's, it's funny too. Um, in previous jobs, there wasn't really the idea of, um, last last hot, you know, most recent hired first fired, you know, yeah, you know, in the in the layoff land, you know, I mean, we've dealt with how many layoffs in our time, you know, right. Um I mean, it wasn't really like that. Whenever I you know, it was more um it was more, you know, the person, you know, we didn't really, we didn't really fire anybody, because we were never sure we were going to be allowed to replace them, right. you know, but, um, you know, when it came to layoffs, it was, um, position rather than timeline of employment. So it was, you know, the idea always for me was, you know, do, you know, figure out how to do the most number of things. So you become the most valuable, but, you know, so I never really thought I was going to get fired because I was sick. Um, but. It, to me, it was more of a, I want to say, my days off, you know? Yeah. You know, the other thing, like, early in my career, like, when I <clears throat> my first job out of college, we were not allowed to take individual days off. You know, you weren't allowed to take a Friday off or a Wednesday. You had to take an entire week.
3: Hmm. Okay. I mean,
4: it was easier for them to do it that way. You know, right. I mean, we had, I think we had, I can't remember, like, three sick days and then one what they called the a personal day, you know, so maybe that I mean, that's part of why I was so protective of it, you know. Um, but, you know, as you know, as time went on, you know, I, in different jobs that I've had, I, you know, we were able to take one day at a time, you know, or several days, the longest I ever took um, outside of I had a surgery a couple of years ago, and I was off for two weeks. But the longest I was ever off was like four days when I had I don't even know what it was. It was like during those times before COVID came when, you know, you'd get like a weird virus, you know, like those, uh, like stuffy head, stomach issues, kind of viruses that just like came up out of nowhere, like neurovirus and all that stuff. And I had a really bad one. You know, my, it was actually my first year working in Canton, and I was off for four days. And when I came back, it was obvious I probably shouldn't have come back. I should have taken the entire week. I re- In fact, it's funny. Um, you know that app. I don't know if you use it for your social stuff, but there's that app Time Hop. Okay. Um, and it like brings back what you posted on social media over you know the entire time you've been on. And this week was one of the was the day that I came back. You know, it was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And- and my, one of my coworkers told me I sounded like Peter Peter Brady when he when
0: his voice was changing because it
4: was so bad. <laughs> right.
0: Well, you know. But, you know, but, you, know, you start a new job too. And, like I said, I, I'm not sure if you really think, oh, I'm going to get fired if I, I'm not here. But, you know, you don't want to be that person that takes off a lot of time. So right. you, there is pressures. And, like you said, I think it's different now. We're in a COVID era where a lot of us who work office or, you know, jobs that you can do by computer. Then you know you don't necessarily need to be in the office. And yeah. I, I guess the advantage of it is, hey, technically you could have COVID, and you know, as long as you don't have severe effects, you could still try to get some stuff done, you know, at your house and everything. Uh, so it, it's different. I mean, I don't know. I never felt like when I was sick and came to work, like you know, 25, 30 years ago, however long it's been. I, I never felt shamed for doing that, but I always feel bad now thinking, hopefully, I didn't get anybody else sick. And I can't remember, you know, me being sick at the office and then, oh my goodness, the person I sit by is now sick. You know, I don't think that ever happened, but looking back at it, you know, I don't know if that's a selfish thing to do, but you you know, <laughs> if you're coming to work with a flu and everything, you know, are you giving it to other people? I mean, I think, I, I think we've totally changed, you know, since.
4: Yeah. Honestly, I think it's probably a matter of how close you are to your coworkers. you know, physically, right. you know, like when we were working together in in that job that we had, we were pretty close. Like you and I sat pretty close to each other, you know, I mean, I sat kind of close to everybody except for the people that were like a little bit behind me. But um, I mean, a lot of these things like uh, these viruses and stuff, you really can't catch them from somebody else, you
0: know? Yeah. You almost have to be breathing on them or kissing them or something like that. Or like sitting
4: in their mouth, you know, like COVID.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, but also too, there is shared stuff. Like, you know, we would like, you would print out a page and say, Hey, can you check this? And somebody checks that. And if, if my snot's all over that page, you know, that that might do it. You know, that might, you know, affect somebody. So my
4: job, when I was working in Pennsylvania, um the sports people came in later in the evening because we were an right. afternoon paper yeah. and I we sat at desks that other people had sat at during the day. You know. Ooh, okay. You no. Know, you know, I've worked with some people, I don't know, do you work have you ever worked with people who are like real big germaphobes?
0: Um I have. <laughs> yeah, I I, I think, I mean, no one, like, I think about Howie Mandel. I, I never got the Howie Mandel vibe, but I'm sure the, the more I think about it, like, uh, there's a married couple that we've worked with before, and I think maybe it was like that. Maybe I got to stink eye a couple times from some people like that. I, I don't know. Um, yeah.
4: There were a couple people
0: that, um,
4: one that I worked really close with, who every time she came in, she would spray, um Lysol all over her terminal, all over her keyboard and her mouse, and and pretty much everything that she touched. Um, yeah. And then you know there are I, there are I've worked with several people who were like that, but mm-hmm. um, I mean I I sometimes like I I will say that when I came back to work after I was out sick for that lengthy po- period when I was in Canton, I did clean my keyboard. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. Because I figured, you know, just in case, because I didn't know when, I, don't, I didn't remember when I had started getting sick, you know, so I wasn't sure if I was sick, like on the Friday before, you know?
0: Well, it, it was funny, because obviously what makes this show great is, you know, Fraser's paranoid. So he goes home, and I, it seems to be okay at first, he understands that. But quickly, Roz is kind of, you know, saying, hey, you got to be careful, old Gil Chesterton is looking for your, uh, time slot and, yeah. you know, it seems a little ridiculous at first, like, um, you know, Hey, this isn't happening and everything, but it, it comes kind of painfully clear as the show goes on that, you know, Gil's after it.
4: Yeah. Gil boy, he's a maneuver maneuverer. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I should be skeptical of every person who ever, has brought me any food or any treats, you know? Yes, yes. Because he gives them the chicken soup. And he was, like, buttering up the boss, too. He took he took some kind of soup up to the, the boss's dog, who was sick, right? Isn't that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, apparently they had reason to be concerned because he had gotten the current time slot from – you know, filling in for somebody before, and they went to a slot in the middle of the night, which you know, as Fraser pointed out, would curtail Roz's
0: love life, massive. Right. <laughs> um, right. The uh, because no, no had the no, Gil had the night um, job, right? The night shift. Um, I think
4: he might have before, okay. but um, he took. He was he was like earlier in the day, I think. Okay. I can't remember, actually, because right after Frazier was sports. So, I don't know. Maybe he was right after Bulldog.
0: So, Frazier seemed to be kind of like a midday. Yeah, I was thinking. Bulldog's probably drive time, and Gil's probably your 9 to to 12 guy or whatever. Yeah, that's
4: what I was thinking, but I don't know. But, you know.
0: That's a 12 to 3 better. I I guess you can sleep in a little bit more, but – I'm not sure why the 12 to 3 is a lot better than 9 to 10. I mean what's so attractive about that?
4: Well, I think he just didn't want to get relegated to some weirdo time frame, you know. Oh, okay. You know, I mean it happened to him when he didn't do something that went boss. I mean, we'll yeah. years right. before we get there, but um, you know, it it happens. You know, there is radio in the middle of the night. <laughs>
0: Right. And there's no guarantee if Gil took his time slot, they'd be like, all right, Frazier, you'd take 9 to 12. I mean, could be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, hey, you know, late night psychologist talk shows are kind of popular. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've heard those a little bit more, too. So, yeah, kind of uh, strange. It was fun. Um, and it was interesting because a couple shows before, you know, there's the author author where. Um, you know, Niles gets his first, um, trip to the radio station where he, uh, co-hosts the of so They're trying to find, uh, people they can write about in their book. So, you know, Niles makes a return, um, you know, Frazier's like, Hey, you know, can you host, I'll keep Gil all the way. And, um, you know, Niles starts doing really well too. And so frazier has got two people to get jealous about.
4: Yes. And the, to me, one of the more interesting aspects of this, and we'll have to watch for it in the next few weeks, is this the moment where um, Niles now has a realization of who Roz is, you know, or, you know, he acknowledges that he knows who she is. Because even, even in his bedroom, when Niles came in to talk to him while, while Frazier was in bed, and he answered the phone and he's like, It's a Roz, you know, yeah. he, he, like he had no clue after you know she had shamed him for several times in the past few episodes. You know, so I you know, it they end up working together and you know, kinda, you know, being united in their efforts to get Frazier out of the booth after he shows up high on whatever drugs he had gotten uh Daphne to fill uh fill prescriptions for him for and
0: go ahead well and you kind of had their moment too because you're right you know now it's um Ros like dirt but then it mm-hmm. came up to the point where you know they had that moment where they're helping that uh husband wife they couldn't say I love you to each other wow. and yeah Roz was into it Roz was excited about Niles' success
4: yeah so it'll be interesting the next, I think the next episode is the last one of the season. Yep, the first yep. season. So it'll be interesting to see if that. Go, I mean, it does eventually go away, but I wonder if this was the moment where he finally has the realization of who she is and her value.
0: Yeah. No. Very good. Very good. So, all right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny at the end. Um. You know, Fraser had that dream where. Um, he wasn't, he was kind of going crazy, so he wakes up when Daph- Daphne wakes him up and, but then, you know, it turns out that he really goes down there. He he wants to, you know, save everybody and save his job and everything. But obviously, like you said, he was kind of hopped up on <laughs> some drugs. there. He wasn't really himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that ever happens at radio stations. You know, they had to call security to take them out. I, I'm trying to think of if that ever happened at, like, you know, the local radio station where maybe a DJ goes on that, you know, is just feeling sick or anything. Now yeah, somebody take them away.
4: I don't know. I don't know. I never, I don't remember ever, you know, working when I was on any kind of like, or editing stories on um, any kind of uh medicine that had been prescribed for me that was like made me loopy
0: or anything but you know you never know <laughs> it's possible i i felt really fortunate like there was one day where i got really sick and you guys let me go home and change i mean i just threw up and all kinds of other stuff it was like right as i was all walking in it was really strange but yeah i don't think i ever remember a time where i well i take that back there were times where I really had the flu bad, but I was just designing pages, so yeah, it meant I was working probably a lot slower than I normally do, but um, yeah, I'm trying to think there was ever a time where you know I really was counted on a lot of responsibility, and I was really sick. I don't think it's happened, which is good. I mean, that would have been kind of scary if you had to do that.
4: Yeah. And, you know, going back to that uh, that moment where You know daphne tells him oh it was just a dream and you know it turned out it wasn't and mart marty asks why uh she didn't tell him the truth and she said why would i tell him the truth now when he's completely out of it you know yeah yes you know and she gets her revenge on the way he way fraser treated her you know you know with uh you know, ben, he needed bendy straws. He needed um, lemon in his tea. And he points out that she didn't cut off the crust for his uh, um, toast. And, you know, he was asking for different Kleenex with the oil, with the oil in it. And uh, what was the other one? The uh, rose petals were starting to lose their smell. You know, yeah. she finally yeah. was like, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him pay for this." And she finally got her chance. You know, we don't get to see it. We don't get to see it, but we know that it's gonna that it was good. You know that she the next morning she would be. You know what? That dream you had that wasn't a dream, honey. <laughs> you really, you really were chasing people around in the in in the office. <laughs>
0: couple of interesting things i'm looking at fraser wiki page mm-hmm. um the first episode of fraser's bedroom is, is shown and yeah uh, kind of interesting um i didn't recognize this um this is what wiki's saying i guess fraser almost lets it slip to daphne and now his feelings uh for her in this
4: episode
0: yeah i can't be right that's what wiki's saying they're saying before he made her go to the drugstore. To oh. get Matt Case for I don't remember that, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, now it's for Fraser for the first time. We've talked about that. Um, you know, Fraser said, "Hey, Gil had a hand in Bonnie Weems' car should be banished the twelve before <laughs> time slot after Gil. filled in for her."
4: Bonnie Weems.
0: Yeah, what a name, Bonnie Weems. She yeah, she was the one from the Christmas episode, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> And then, finally, a very interesting uh, list of the uh, celebrity voices that, you know, call in. Uh, everywhere from Mary Tyler Moore, Steve, uh, Steve Lawrence, uh, Edie Gorma, Patty Hurst. Yeah, uh, Edie Gorma is Steve Lawrence's wife. They
4: were, yeah. they were a singing team.
0: Um, yeah, Tommy Hilfiger, Gary Trudeau, and San Francisco 49ers quarterback Steve Young. I mean,
4: oh, just crazy. I never missed that. I'll watch
0: yeah. I used to love Steve Young. Yeah. <laughs> so, did, did he reach Bucky Dent's ass to you? No, well, he was way better than Bucky Dent. Oh. <laughs> Bucky who? It's uh, Steve Young. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm getting near the end of my time. I've. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, what's the season finale called for first season? Um. You
4: know, I watched it like 20 times. You would think I would know.
0: That's um, a good guy here. Oh, my coffee with Niles. Um, and, oh, yeah. you know, Niles... The one where he asks Frazier if he's happy. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. It's actually a good episode.
0: Yeah, a lot of talk. Frazier wonders if he's happy with his new life in Seattle. Um, Niles uh, talks more honestly about uh, feelings for Daphne. So lots of interesting stuff there. So, mm-hmm. well, Laura, appreciate your flexibility. It's... Sure. Lots of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Nothing super serious or important, but hey, yeah. well, we deal with it. <laughs> it's We're in the
4: holiday season when, yes. when our work lives are not like they are any other time of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, so hopefully once we get toward January, uh life will get back to normal. But hey, I appreciate your flexibility so we can still do this each week. And uh we hope to be back next Wednesday, but if not, I'm sure we'll figure out a way of <laughs> making it work. So... All right. Well, thanks, Laura. As always, we appreciate it. For Laura's, this is Chris. Thanks for checking the We Miss Morey podcast. Have a great day, everybody.
3: You'll see how
4: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley.